Pastor Jeff is away with family, and uh, my name is Dennis Sandberg, and I'm one of the uh, elders here at Resurrection Life Church, as well as overseeing our life care ministries, which is a great way to get connected. And, um, you know, I'm so blessed to be part of a body of believers under the leadership of some great pastors that challenge me, encourage me, and motivate me to grow in God. It's so important to be growing in God's word and understanding the promises and wisdom that we get from his word. You know, it's important that we're fortified with a hedge of protection that gives us when we follow God. God is developing paths for us in the wilderness and rivers in the desert as we've been learning the last couple weeks. For those of you who um, like to get titles for the message today, it's going to be called Open the Windows and Shut the Gates. I don't know about you, but I, I really enjoy on a, on a real crisp day like today uh, to go home and like open my window in my house and just air things out and get some fresh air. I don't know about you, but you know, we're in a time right now entering the holiday season where I believe the fields are white for harvest and that people's hearts are really softened to receive the gospel. I'll say that especially in 2020. And, you know, as God's people, we need to be prepared to open up the windows in other people's lives to see the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And we also need to be on guard to shut the gates to darkness because the time is growing short. Today, I just want to share a couple Bible stories and situations to show how God opened up the windows of heaven and the lives of his people. So if you could bow your heads, I'd like to pray. Father God, we thank you that he that has ears to hear, that you would let him hear today, to hear what you're saying to us and apply it to their lives. I pray that your will will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Today, I pray that you will open the eyes to our understanding concerning your word and how it works, and that you will continue to do work in all of us to bring us into the fullness of God. We thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. You know, there's a lot of things coming at us lately that are moving and influencing our lives that need to have us both prepared for opportunities and on guard for dangers. I don't know about you, but I feel like what we're going through in the world today, between the coronavirus, a new president, the economy, social unrest, social distancing, the lack of connection with others, and what tomorrow will bring is creating a lot of cares in our lives. I really sense that in the world that we live in today, that it's getting choked, and that this choking is coming from some worries and some fears. Mark 4:19 and the voice translation says, "But the things in this life, the worries, the drives for more and more, the desires for other things, those things that cluster around close and choke the life out of God out of them until they cannot produce." The worries of life choke things out. True fulfillment 
is with God. The things of this world will leave us empty. One of my favorite verses is found in Colossians 3.2 that says, set your mind on things above, not on the things on this earth. Where's your mindset today? Are we focused on how it used to be? Are we remembering the former things instead of beholding and allowing God to do a new thing? You know, when our focus is on things, we're in a type of bondage and we don't even realize it. In Romans 8, 15, in the voice translation, it says, you see, you have not received a spirit that returns you to slavery. So you have nothing to fear. The spirit you have received adopts you and welcomes you into God's own family. That's why we call out to him, Abba, Father, as we would address a loving father. You know, we see in the book of Genesis where God led his people out of slavery and, and, and the, into the promised land, yet there, there was a lot of people on that journey that had a spirit of discontent call upon them, and they longed for a few good things about their past, like how good the lamb stew was and how the leeks and onions tasted well back in Egypt. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm a food guy, so I'm, I'm, I'm amazed when people complain about today's food and tend to only remember the good meals, you know, from the past. And, and, and I'm confident to say, I think in, the, in Egypt there was a few bad meals. But, you know, we need to thank God for his provision today. Thank God for his daily bread that he provides for us day by day to sustain it, just like he did with the man and quail. You know, it's so easy to get so, you know, discontent with things. And, and, and we, you know, I'm going to say we need to be adaptable. And we need to praise God. And, you know, he, he loved us so much that he allowed us to be adopted into the kingdom of heaven. That we can actually call him Abba Father, Daddy, Daddy. You know, there's a, um, there, there's a famous story in the Bible found in the book of Luke 15 where it's called the prodigal son. I was thinking about that, and I really think that we should consider really calling it the loving father. Because many of us have wandered away from our loving father and want the world to give me, give me, and give me. You know, when you accept the loving Father's love, you learn to be made into a servant and a child of God that you're always meant to be. You know, God's word is constantly filled with an invitation to connect with him, to resolve and heal any cares that you might have today. In John 15, we see in verses 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation, it says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so that they will produce even more. 
Notice how he says he is the true vine. You know, when I read that, I think, my goodness, there must be a lot of false vines out there. And a lot of people are connecting with the wrong team or they're connecting with idols or images that they shouldn't be connecting with. And in, G in verse 2, Jesus makes a distinction between two kinds of pruning. First of all, he cuts off the branches of the trunk because they don't produce any fruit. These type of branches oppose God and they can even infect some of the branches that are already planted. That's why they got to be removed. Not everyone who says they're a Christian is really a Christian. God's word says that you'll know them by their fruit. The things inside a person will eventually come out of that person. Real fruit is when you love more and have an expanded, expanded revelation from God's word of what love is to the point that you desire to share that love with others. And I'll say this, the same thing holds true for for joy and for peace. We need to get an expanded revelation of what God's word says about our fruit. And it will naturally flow out of us. He also prunes other branches that do not produce fruit in order to produce more fruit. It's interesting to me, this, this spring... Just that there's a there's a tree that I planted in the yard and and uh, and Donna gets to look out her window and she really enjoys the tree and she was she was like after me because I I, I really trimmed this tree pretty good because it was just getting out of shape and she was like she was like so disappointed but but it's amazing to me at how full it got this year. I was just like so blessed by God. It's like God just took me right to this verse where it's like. You know, the pruning process decreases what is seen on the outside to be less, and it allows the root system that you can't see to grow more. You know, pruning can be cutting away that hurts. You know, you might be sitting here and you might have lost a friend. You might have lost a marriage. You might have lost a mom or a dad. You might have lost a loved one, and it hurts. But I'll say this, even though you don't understand, stay connected to the true vine and let your healing begin. Stay connected. You know, God works from the inside out. We need to decrease so that he can increase in us. Our connection with God is so important. We need to abide in him, remain in him, trust in him, and have dependent confidence in who he is. I think the greatest revelation that you'll ever have is when you realize that Jesus has removed the obstacle of sin that had blocked you from eternal life. 
The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. You know, we were all lost in this world from the moment we were born until the time that we made Jesus our Lord and Savior. You know, the first man and woman were lost after they had sinned. Adam and Eve, after sinning, were led to think that they could play hide-and-go-seek with God. That didn't go over too well. We all need to find God. You know, when, when we do the process of opening up windows we, of heaven, we'll start to open in our lives and they'll start pouring out the blessings. I just want to show you an artist's rendition of what it's like to have the, heaven, the windows of heaven open and God pouring out blessings. And when I saw this picture, I, I immediately thought about in John 7, verse 38, it says, rivers of living water will flow out of the heart of the one who puts their trust in me. That's found in John 7, 38. You know, when you think about the windows of heaven, there's, there's, a, there's a law of first mention in the Bible. It's a concept where for, the, where for the first time an idea or concept is mentioned in the Bible, it's the most understandable reference upon what other scriptures in the word are, or subject are built up later in the Bible. So the first mention of the windows of heaven was found in the book of Genesis, and it's about Noah. And it, it, and it said... And the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. And then we go ahead and, and in chapter 8 it says, the fountains were also the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain of heaven was restrained. You know, the, the windows of heaven were opened and it's amazing that God's servant Noah and his family as well as the animals were safe and protected in a boat through a covenant with God. You know, up until that time, it hadn't rained. No, I mean, Noah, Noah being obedient to God had to listen to all the ridicule of the people about building an ark when there was never any rain. Nobody was boating. And, and when you, you read in, in, in Hebrews 11... I just want to read it in the Passion Translation. It says, Faith opened Noah's heart to receive a revelation and the warnings from God about what was coming, even things that have never been seen. But he stepped out in reverent obedience to God and built an ark that would save him and his family. By his faith, the world was condemned, and Noah received God's gift of righteousness that comes by believing. You know, we, we need to open our hearts today about what's going on because God's going to give us warnings about what's coming. You know, open up your eyes and your hearts. And, you know, God's protection against the gates of hell is shown in Isaiah 59, 19, where it says, when the enemy comes in, the spirit of Yahweh, like a flood, will lift up a standard against him. There's an onslaught coming on from darkness, and we just got to be ready for God's word to just pour into our lives so that we can be prepared to take the next step. And, you know, if you, if you read the Bible, you know, later on, we, we, we see in the book of Genesis how we, how we rain, open up the heavens to rain down manna 
and he rained down quail. But I just want to transition. I want to talk about Daniel. And I don't know how much you know about Daniel, but you, you see a, a, a time where King Darius had just signed a decree stating that you shall worship him and no other gods instead of, and, and, and instead of getting upset about this, Daniel went up to pray. And let me ask you a question. If you get upset about something, is prayer the first thing you do? You know, prayer is not informing God about our situations or problems. It's really about requesting God to get involved. In reading Daniel 6, it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper, upper room, with the windows open, towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom in the early days. You know, when you, when you think about this, I mean, I mean, you, you got a situation, and, and, and sometimes, I don't know about you, but I got to put, put it in today's society. Now, can you imagine if King Darius was in today, and, and, and he said, I, I declare an executive order that we, we have to wear masks, we have to wear six, six feet distance, we have 50% capacity, we can only have parties of 10. And, you know, the world reacts that like, oh, this is so uncomfortable and it messes up my hair and it looks terrible and, and, and you know, doesn't, doesn't God know that I got a family bigger than 10? And, you know, and, 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 and they immediately go into social media and they write about this and that. And they see how many likes and how many loves. And yet, if you see how Daniel is, he, he looked towards Jerusalem, and Jerusalem means peace. And he prayed. He would, he would, today, he would just like pray, God, I know you make all things work together for good. I thank you for your hedge of protection upon me and my family. He would just speak the promises of God. He would be focused on what he needed to do he, because we could sit here and complain about situations all the time. But do we look to the promises? Do we, you, you know, when, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the song that we sing here called Surrounded. And it says, it may look like I'm surrounded but we could be like Daniel, but I'm surrounded by you. I'm surrounded by God. The battle belongs to God. I mean, so often we, we get so upset about situations when we need to take the battle to God. You know, Daniel was a man of prayer. Prayer is about us to God. 
So often in our lives, we focus on God give me and God do this for me. We just want to wake up in the morning and say, here, God, here's a to-do list. Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? You know, the Bible confirms what Daniel did in Psalms 5-7 when it says, I will worship toward your holy temple. Daniel pleaded with God when he prayed. Prayer is said to be calling, crying, knocking, seeking, asking, making supplications, pouring out your heart, lifting up your soul, lifting holy hands. Prayer is so much. Prayer, Daniel gave thanks. We can always find reasons to be thankful for what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. God is in our past, God is in our present, and God will be in our future. Daniel humbled himself when he prayed. The God who we were talking to, the circumstances we're in, and the punishment we all deserve should inspire us to remain humble when we pray for anything. You know, I think many of us feel like we're in a lion's den today with all the unrest, the rioting, the discontentment that surrounds our, our lives. And I got a question for you. Have you tried prayer to give you peace? Because I believe Daniel used prayer to give him the peace that passes all understanding. Think about that. Prayer can give you peace before the circumstance even hits you. Prayer will pass or go ahead of the circumstance that you're currently facing. No matter what circumstance you're in, God is faithful, God is good, God will keep you, God will provide you, and God will bless you. Prayer is the faith that looks beyond our current circumstances to a God that works all things out for good and for his glory. So let me transition to talk a little bit about Malachi. And it's one of the most quoted verses about the windows of heaven, and it's often read around tithes and offerings time. So let me read it quickly. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are, are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, ye have not gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But ye say, where, sh where shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now, here, here with, within, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the window of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall be no room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time of the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all the nations shall call you blessed, and you delight some land, saith the Lord of hosts. That's a great promise. You know, when I, when I first read this, this story, I, 
I see that God's patience with us seems endless. God is ready to return to us if we will be willing to return to him and be obedient. You know, during Malachi's day, the people were not giving tithes. The Levites went to work and neglected their God-given responsibility to care for the temple and for the service of worship. You know, everything we have comes from God. God owns it all. And when we refuse to give a part of what he has given us, we are robbing him. The storehouse was a place in the temple for storing grain and other food given as tithes. The priest lives off these gifts, and we need to support those that serve God by ministering to the spiritual needs of others. It says, prove me or test me. You know, God's taken the test. You tithing is not you taking the test. It's you being obedient to God's word. God's opening up to you the windows of heaven and rebuking the devourer is his test to do for us. He will do it. Tithing is obedient with blessing coming forth to you. You know, when you read this, this part where it says, if he, he, he makes a point about saying he'll open you up. You are heaven's access point here on the earth. God wants to fill you up with, your spirit, with his spirit so that you may yield to him and the blessings he desires to pour into your lives. I really believe this verse coincides with Deuteronomy 8.18 that says, you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. He doesn't say that he'll give you the wealth. He says he gives you power to get the wealth. You know, I can't, every time I read the scripture, I can't help but to share a little bit. Back, back, I, I first started, decided to tithe back in 1992. I, I was at a, I was listening to a message by someone. I was convicted by God. I wasn't tithing. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to try this. But I, just, I, I was committed. I was committed. And I will tell you that I had, I, you know, some, sometimes when you start tithing, you're like, I want to return right away. But I, I was tithing for about two years. And in 1994, I didn't realize that at the time, but the company that I was working for was about ready to leave New York State. And uh, another company was pursuing my services. And I still remember in the meeting going up to get the offer and if, if you know me well enough, and praise God, when I was younger, I used to stutter all the time. Get me in public places, I, I'd stutter. You, you, you'd be here a long time today if I had to do that. But, but anyways, I, I was in this meeting, and, and the guy gave me an offer, and it was a very generous offer, and, and the stuttering came on me. I couldn't talk. And, and the guy looked at me, and he, okay, I'll give you an extra 20%. And I, you know... I didn't say where, I just, I came home and told my wife, I says, I, I got a 20% raise, and, but I, I knew it was God because it was literally two years to the day, but, but that's, that's God. That's God because he just desires to show himself strong on our behalf. 
And God rebukes the devourers for our sake. He closes the gates of hell. You know, sometimes the windows of heaven open up first and sometimes the adversary hits first. We need to be prepared either way. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap the harvest if we do not give up. Your harvest is coming whether you see it now or not. You know, we can't let, let ourselves down to our blind spots. There's an enemy out there that just roars about our weaknesses. And, and, and I, being in the business community, I know too well how the enemy likes to roar about somebody's lack of financial success. You know, I'm so glad that the, the Bible shows graphic insight into the lives of people who felt like you and me. It shows their flaws, their weaknesses, and how in due time they experience God's victory. You know, it really gives me hope. And um, I, I have been working for two different companies for the last 35 years. And when COVID hit in April, I was unexpectedly terminated. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, but, but I just, as I, as I took some time to learn more about myself and, you know, when it, when it first hits you, it's like, wow. Um, but I can, I can share with you that, that sometimes when you work for an organization for an extended period of time, like I did for 25 years, you can get a spirit of familiarity falling upon you. And that spirit of familiarity can lead to a spirit of pride where you don't think you're vulnerable and you are. And it happened. I was terminated, and, but I needed to trust God more than ever. I'll say it again, stay connected. And praise God that he opened up a window for a new job at the end of June this year after 73 days of being unemployed. And Jehovah Jireh can take credit for another victory in the Sandberg family. And, you know, God's no respecter of persons. You can, you know, you can hear a story like I'm sharing. It's like, that's yeah, good for you, Dennis. It's good for you. And, and I believe that God has no respecter of person. And, and I just want to stop right now and pray for anybody that's dealing with looking for a job or having financial problems. Father, I thank you that during a time of seeking that you are their God in whom they can trust and whom they can put their confidence in. I thank you that you are their shield and their protection. I thank you that you are their ever-increasing reward and you desire to open up doors in their lives that no man can open. I thank you for the favor and the wisdom to come upon them, to be in the right place at the right time. We praise you for opening the windows of heaven in their lives so that these people can bless their families and honor you with their new job. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read a, a New Testament story found in the book of Matthew. And... Um, it's a familiar story. 
Start, starting with Matthew 6, verses 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am, say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, and one of, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to them, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You know, when I, when I read this part here, the thing that came out to me was, was the phrase, some say. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are influenced by what some say. There's, 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 there's people that are, that are small minorities in this country that make a lot of noise, and some say. And, and, and they want to, you know, we just got to focus on what God says. And, you know, when we're, when we're focused on what God says, he's going to anoint people to speak life and open windows in our lives. And it goes on to say... In verse 18, and also I say to you that are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. And you know, I, I, I read this and I'm, I'm like, you know, God has given Peter and often gives us the keys to the kingdom of heaven or the opportunity to bring other people to salvation by presenting them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a gift and opportunity is for a Christian to have. And then it goes on to say, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and rebuked him, saying, Far be it from me, Lord, that this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, and you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. And I'm just reminded when the windows of heaven come, often that's when the adversary shows up. You know, Peter, Peter was, 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 first of all, it's probably not a good idea to rebuke Jesus. Let me make that statement. Probably not a good idea. But, Jesus was, but Peter was going to stand between Jesus and his purpose. Peter saw Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, but failed to see the cross, Jesus' purpose, to save us from our sins. And you can see, and, and, and by this portion of scriptures, you can see in one moment, Peter opened up the windows of heaven and, and, and spoke eloquently of who, who Jesus was. And in the very next moment, we see Peter opening up a gateway of hell, trying to prevent the purpose of God. So this shows me, you, you just got to, God can speak through you eloquently, and you can be so anointed, and all of a sudden, boom, the enemy hits you. 
And we just have to, again, we have to be on guard and, and shut the gates of hell. We just, you know, getting, not letting our guard down is so important because the enemy just wants to creep in on our lives. Um, notice how Jesus said to Peter, and he addressed Satan in the passage. The resistance was from the spirit of Satan that Peter yielded to. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You know, we need to find points of connection where God can open the windows of heaven in our lives and allow our soul to be more influenced by our spirit than our flesh. There's a tug of war going on. Your flesh tugs at you and your spirit tugs at you and you're the soul sitting in the middle. We need to start leaning more towards the spirit and the word of God. I was reminded of a portion of scripture in, in Exodus about Moses. And um, it's found in chapter 3. And it's where God called him or Moses from the, midst, from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take, off your, take your sandals off your feet, for the place that you stand is holy ground. And I just, I just wanted to make a couple of points about this scripture, and then I'll move towards closing. But sandals, it's interesting about sandals. Sandals are fashioned by man. They're handmade. You know, it's so important that we hold, hold close to the heart the things that God has made in our lives. Because too often we're, we're leaning on things that man made in our lives. And if we lean to the things that God makes in our lives, the windows will be open. The other thing that's interested about sandals or shoes in general is they pick up the things on the road from your past. You know, when we travel on life's journey, we're picking up things as we go along. And the things of our past can often weigh us down and make our steps more difficult. You know, we need to press forward to the open windows and the prize that God has in store for our future. And then it goes on to say, for the place where you stand. And there Moses was standing. And I think it's important anytime we're in the presence of God that we're standing. I'm reminded of Ephesians 6.13 that says, Therefore take upon you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand. Stand firm on the rock of the word of God. And then it says, it talks about how you're standing on holy ground. It's so important that we're filled with God's holiness. 
Take time in your life to soak up the holiness of God. It could be a, a really good praise and worship. I, I love how the praise and worship team leads us into, it, it, to me, it breaks up the, the follow ground and gets me ready to receive God's word. And the closer you get to God in his presence, the more that God will transform you if, if, if you read the rest of the story, you'll see how Moses during this time got so close to God that his face glowed so much that people asked him to put a veil on it. When you spend a lot of time with God in his presence, you will get to a point where, where, where you'll just glow with the presence of God. And we can all get as close to God as we choose to be. God desires to open up windows in our lives and pour out blessings. So I just wanted to kind of give you some keys to opening up the windows of God here. Kind of a little bit of review. Connect with God and prune off sin and unforgiveness in your life. Noah shows us to have faith in God and the plans he has for you and your family despite what others say. Daniel shows us to have a disciplined prayer life and believe God will protect you each and every step of the way. Malachi reminds us to return to God and be obedient. Peter shows us that God can speak through us through his inspired words, but if we let our guard down and lean to our own understanding, the enemy can also. Moses shows us that we can enter God's present, let go of our past, and stand on God's word. Trust God, because God is in control. And I would be remiss if I didn't hit upon the point, once again, about connecting with God and putting your trust in him. We all need to put a do not enter sign in front of the gates of hell. There's an enemy of our souls that are that's out there to kill, rob, and destroy, the everlasting life that God died for us to have. In order to walk, in order to open up the window, we need to walk through that door of salvation first. Jesus stands at the door and is waiting patiently for us to knock and invite him in. And it's really simple to enter the door of eternal life. If you have not done this before, I encourage you to bow your heads and repeat these words. Dear God, thank you for sending your son to come to earth to live this life I could not live, to be an example I could not achieve, to be a sacrifice for my sins. Lord, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I ask you to be Lord of my life. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have shared